Welcome back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday. And down in the chat room, quarantine ghosts haunting the chat. This week, we have a very special guest returning to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. Demonologist Carl Johnson is back. He'll be talking all things poltergeist, shadow people. Are they possibly related? All of this interesting dark phenomenon with our good friend Carl. Carl, how you doing tonight? Oh, it's so good to be back, Mike. It's so good to be heard. <laughs> a little uh, technical difficulty. A little technical difficulty, but we got it worked out. We had our rehearsal for about three minutes. Though. We did. <laughs> yes. But it, it's all right now. No, that's uh, what I wanted to speak to you about, you being somewhat of an authority. Both you and I are experts in the unknowable, pretty much. But, uh, you know, we learn as we go along, hopefully. And uh, I'm wondering if these two spirit phenomena are somehow intertwined talking about shadow persons those you know shadowy forms and poltergeist most people if they are not acquainted with shadow persons or shadow ghosts know what a poltergeist is of course the standard interpretation is you need an adolescent child and uh, you um, the child is agitated going through a formative stage and things fly around the room and get busted I, I don't think it's quite as simple as that but that's a standard interpretation shadow people being something altogether different they're uh, black or the absence of color or eyes to decipher them or interpret them as being black and they're very mysterious sometimes they're cloaked and clothed and sometimes they have hats with brims so how can these two things be connected? But I think somehow they are. They're both ephemeral. They're both basically non-physical, but manifest in physical forms can move objects around. And they are usually just glimpsed. Poltergeist is more known for what it does. Uh, shadow person is no, more known for being seen. But I think there's some kind of connection there. They're both interdimensional in, in some form. Well, I wonder if you have an opinion on that, or, or even a guess. Um, yeah, I'm, I have a uh, an opinion when it comes to poltergeist. Um, you know, the classic definition of a poltergeist is you know noisy ghost, a German for a noisy ghost, something that is uh, you know a bit mis mischievous, tosses things around, uh, creates some noise, uh, wreaks some havoc around the house, that sort of thing. Um, I I usually tossed out there for anybody that has read the Harry Potter books, because it doesn't really get a lot of play at all in the movies, but if you've read the Harry Potter books, uh, Peeves the Poltergeist is basically uh, a great example of what a poltergeist uh, is by definition. In modern times here, we've taken this idea of a, like you were saying, like an adolescent girl, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a girl, uh, but that they are manifesting uh, this activity and they are calling that a poltergeist but what i end up saying is that well what they're doing is yeah they with that telekinesis with that pk activity they are manifesting a type of activity that resembles a poltergeist so i call it poltergeist activity we've kind of meshed these things together as one when it's really two separate uh things that are going on here mm -hmm. Well, the poltergeist, of course, we, as you were describing, it's thought to be manifested. I always think of a little girl doing it, you know, mm -hmm. maybe because they mature a little sooner than boys, but it can be right. an adolescent usually with some angst and going through that formative stage. And they generate some PK, some psychokinetic energy that somehow turns itself into a ghost, has all the symptoms of a ghost, but it's not a ghost, it's a thing of the mind. 
I think it actually is a spirit, a ghost. It, it may be produced by a living agent. Um, however, some poltergeists have an agenda. They want to be noticed. They will do things to be noticed to get the living people's attention. Some have voices and will have messages or moan. Uh, they arrange things in all kinds of uh, array. I knew of one poltergeist, didn't know him personally, but I heard of one poltergeist in the state of Vermont that took uh, bed sheets and when the homeowners returned, the family returned to their home, uh, it had wound these sheets in the forms of people like mannequins and sat them around the table. Oh, wow. That evinces, yeah, that evinces, that's particularly spooky to me. That evinces some form of uh, volition and intelligence. And yeah. It just didn't seem like some child is going to generate all that. You know, maybe they fuel it. But I think the basic components of a ghost had to be there. Do they create the ghost? Don't know. But poltergeists can linger after the people leave. After that adolescent grows up or is no longer there when the family moves out, the poltergeist can repeat itself, which again doesn't mesh with the you know being totally created by a child. Right. And uh, they uh, they do haunt. You know they they take over the house to you know they generate so much energy and uh, provoke so much attention that you can't ignore them. So that shows something that's got emotions or consciousness that somehow wants to be recognized. And uh, what separates the poltergeist from a demon? I think the demon is more like a pol poltergeist that has an attitude. You know, yeah. <laughs> because, you know th these things, they're very mysterious. And I have poltergeists in action. And sometimes they look like people. You know, so this is this is a strange thing. Uh, there's there was the uh, famous Philip experiment where the where a ghost essentially was created. Uh, a seance by the researchers was staged, and they uh, they actually got uh, PK and ghostly activity from this you know this character they invented. So it seems they created the ghost. Maybe that's how our poltergeist comes along. But shadow persons are they created? I think they've been around. I don't think they're really produced by people, but they kind of look like people without features. So I think these two are interdimensional forms that somehow are related, at least in their activities, maybe their origins. Now, if you don't know how to make sense of this, Mike, I don't know who. <laughs> you got to, I'm, I'm asking you, what do you think? Well, I mean, what I believe a, a true shadow person is, is an interdimensional being. So if a poltergeist is also interdimensional, then yes, they would. I, I would have to say they are certainly related. And what is interesting about shadow people that you just mentioned is many of them you know, do look like humans or at least take on that shape although we can't see features like eyes or nose or mouths or anything like that uh, so they are certainly strange and mysterious poltergeist we don't usually see it all so i think that's kind of the the difference there um you know the shadow person can interact with our physical world poltergeist certainly does um and as far as you, you threw out the big D word, demons, um, I, I think... I, I did say that first, didn't you, you, did, sorry, you, did. <laughs> you did, you did. I crossed the line first before you did, all right. No, it was now just, we have to be careful. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, occasionally some of these, you know, may actually be demonic, but I don't think it's, um, you know, as... Oh, as common as, you know, a lot of people seem to think, you know, I have people that will email me and say, I have a demon. Why do you, why do you think you have a demon? And they'll say, well, because, you know, a candle went flying off my mantle. And, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not quite to the point yet where we can call that demonic. 
No, that would be like, that's the job description of your basic ghost. Right. You know, um, if it's if it's a demon, you will know eventually it will evince itself as such because the demon certainly does have an agenda. Um, but often it's it's difficult in the early stages to disting, distinguish a demonic entity from a poltergeist. And if a poltergeist was purely produced by an adolescent's rampant energies that is he's, he or she is expelling, why didn't, doesn't it just throw around dinner plates and do nothing else? Why does it pull off bed sheets? Why does it act like a ghost? Why, why is it every once in a while seen like a person? Why do they have voices sometimes? They should just be tossing around dinnerware, crockery. <laughs> but they do other things. The, the poltergeist becomes creative. So I was saying with these winding sheets, it makes... Uh, it made figurines. Sometimes they do things like that. They're bizarre. They turn objects upside down. They pile up stacks of books and, you know, and geometric forms that are barely balanced. And uh, that's something with a mind. Did you ever think uh, it I might be kinda... something different? Yeah. Well, like, as Mike was saying, interdimensional. No, we have we have gnomes around here. And I, I didn't believe one until I saw one. And there are... They're mischievous, like you said, but they have a like a warped sense of humor. And when you're around them, you just want to giggle. So maybe they're not quite poltergeisty. No. Poltergeist? <laughs> no. Well, we have standard interpretations because paranormal researchers, like most people, do not want to admit they don't know something. You well, know, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> you know. And I include myself in that category. Um, so what interpretations do we have? Oh, it's all neatly, you know categorized so it's like you know oh a gnome that's an elemental of course that's an elemental they're native I, american spirits yeah. yeah i did not believe in one and i actually had one standing next to me and it showed up on the sls camera and I oh just, my i was giggling i'm like i don't know why i'm giggling and the lady goes you have a gnome next to you oh my God. gnomes make you giggle huh they do they're, they're <laughs> they funny no they just have this warped sense of humor they're like they're very adolescent um he was dancing on the microphone um so when we played back the audio, you just hear him tap, 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 tap. like, oh my God, you know? <laughs> so, but maybe, maybe some of the poltergeist activity is actually gnome activity. Maybe if you can actually photograph a poltergeist, not just what it produces and its mm -hmm. activity, but if you can photograph the entity itself, maybe it is a gnome. Maybe it does look like some diminutive uh, human form. Uh, there are related or similar in description to the gnomes are puckwudgies. That's yeah. a Native yeah. American, yeah. puckwudgies. Oh my word, there was this uh, amusing episode going years back of Paranormal State. And uh, about nine years ago, it was after you and I hooked up Mike for an investigation. Okay. And they, uh, I was consulted by Michelle Belanger and mm -hmm. uh, Ryan Buell and everybody wanted to know. Well, Michelle contacted me and they wanted to know all about the puckwudgies. Well, I referred them to my colleague, Andrew Lake, and I told them, I gave them quite a bit of information myself because Andrew Lake has photographed a Pukwudgie uh, twice. So when that episode aired, it was the most comical thing because I never got any credit for it, but I'd never asked for any, you know, I didn't assume I would get any. And uh, no two people on that show could say Pukwudgie the same way. <laughs> they just did not have enough time to prepare and uh, say how they were going to pronounce this. So you get Pidgey Wee and yeah, <laughs> Puckered, Puckered, 
Pagaga, you know, the, every person, it was about four people, Chip Coffee, uh, Sergey, Ryan, they, they could not say, I think Michelle got closest to it, Michelle Belanger, but nobody could say Pukwudgie the same way. But we think they are elementals, which means an earth spirit and is very hard to define. It's something that just incorporated into Native American lore a lot. But gnome, yeah. Mm -hmm. Gnome is actually essentially an earth spirit. Uh, Salander resides in fire, undines in water, you know, and uh, Ooh, lifts in the air. But uh, yeah, but uh, they're known, they're earth spirits. So, yeah, that's, this, that's house, cute. this house was actually, it was like um, kind of on the bank of a river. We have a lot of limestone down here, running water, um, aquifers like you wouldn't believe. Who knows? Yes. Still <laughs> to the air spirit, yeah. And uh, yeah, well, running water, the, the elementals are attracted to running waters. They don't, I don't think they necessarily have to be associated with a designated element. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's like uh, alchemy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, you got a friendly gnome. That's, that's kind of yeah. nice. I mean, the, the people were kind of afraid of it. And, but well, we were giggling, yeah. you know, and we were having a good time with the gnome. As you said, <laughs> you don't know where he's going to show up, yeah. you know? He tickles. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Giggle somehow. Well, it, it was yeah. just funny. I just felt like I mean, we we got back from Mineral Wells the other day, and um, they're known for the lithium that's naturally in the water. So yeah. I mean, we were just giggling the whole time. We almost broke Ireland, Mike. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. <laughs> <laughs> it might. So yeah. So we have a uh, we have a bunch of questions coming in from the chat room. So I do want to get to some of these um, verification that we are being heard. So we are definitely <laughs> being heard now, which is fantastic. Uh, this is from Murtaza Arif. Uh, he lives near the infield poltergeist house in the UK and is wondering how long can poltergeist remain inactive at a property. Uh, they seem to have a lifespan in what I've read. And what I've experienced, they have a lifespan of about 20 years. That is a high generalization. They're usually around for two years, and then they come back for a time when new residents move into the house. Again, which kind of blows away the uh, the adolescent theory, and that they're totally uh, resulted from an adolescent presence. Uh, from what I've heard, they only last about 20 years before they stop reoccurring. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure there are exceptions, but I don't think there's one that's longer. It's around long. They get dirty for a while, and then they come out of hibernation, and they start up again. So I think it has more to do with the uh, the household than the actual residents, although the original owners of the home, the original occupants, might have started it. But it, it lives independently, quasi-lives independently. <laughs> okay. Uh, from Betty Lange, since we did bring out the D word earlier. Uh, she was wondering if you could give us your definition of a demon. Demon is a non-human entity that uh, is hostile towards human beings. It's a wicked spirit. It's inconvenient. There may be demons that don't have a grudge against the human race, but we never hear from them. If you know, they're not important to us. It's poorly understood. The classic definition of a demon is a fallen angel that are, there are different theories of their their origins. They, they could spring from the Nephilim, an extinct race of giants that were vanquished by humans in you know Christian Judaic mythology, um, which is very in, politically incorrect to call a religion mythology, but until it's really understood, it's mythology. 
And uh, yeah, they're uh, they're wicked spirits. They, I don't necessarily believe they are all fallen angels. If any of them, uh, I believe they are uh, an interdimensional being, another form. And some of them do have a resentment against the human race. I think they actually proceed from us, in my opinion. Hmm. Uh, we think of demons as thriving and surviving in subterranean sulfurous caverns. <laughs> and uh, they are just waiting, you know, uh, awaiting an opportunity to spring forth and prey upon humans and, you know, trap us, you know, to take our souls away or delude us. And uh, that's a very grandiose interpretation of the demon, but I think every demon that has ever existed, and certainly they do exist, I think all demons, if you could get them all together, they could fit on the head of a pin because they are only quasi-physical. Now, they, uh, it, it actually relates to quantum mechanics and quantum physics, and which invites a lot of speculation. But I think they're, uh, they're minuscule, they're <laughs> subatomic. They are thought, and thought is very minuscule. Uh, the demon is subject to some physical laws. Demon cannot be two places at the same time. It can't, can't bilocate. It can't read your mind, but they're very perceptive. It can be warded. You can tell a demon, a demonic entity, you can say, you can't come into this room when the door is closed, and the demon has to obey that. Oh, they'll find some way around that, but... Uh, <laughs> It's funny, and they will seek, like some spirits, they will seek the easiest egress. They spring through wells and portals and and fissures and doors, and, you know, they and, and pits. They don't just, you know, ooze through walls for some reason. They they are they are some restraints and constraints. Uh, so they're very fascinating, and they do ex uh, cannot be fully understood. But they're, you know, just to sum it up, they're uh, wicked spirits, mysterious yeah. wicked spirits, and you feel it if it's a demon, it will evince itself. You know, you'll know it's not just a poltergeist or a human-generated spirit. It's going to do something. It's going to make itself very unwelcome and make the subject feel unwelcome in his or her own home. Well, you ask yeah. one question, you got to have like 5,000. <laughs> yeah, questions. yeah. <laughs> so I hope everybody was taking notes. Or yeah, or you could pick up Carl's book, Shadow Realms, Demonology Handbook. Thank you, because I left mine in my car, and I was wondering ah. if you caught there to hold it up, but you did it for me. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. I did put the link down in the description here of the uh, of the YouTube uh, live stream, but uh, you can also find that at Amazon for those that will be listening to the uh, podcast later. It's Shadow Realms Demonology Handbook, Carl Johnson and Atlanta Brock. Thank so, you so much. Well, I'll do one more question from the uh, chat room right now, and then we'll continue our conversation, bring in some more questions from them later. Um, this is from Judy Wilson. So does their dimension leak through to ours? Talking about shadow people. And is that why uh, we only see them in shadow? And do they see us as shadow people? Mm. The first part of that question, I'd say de almost definitely, yes, they do uh, filter in from another dimensional reality. And that's why we don't, We there's gotta be something to that, why we don't see them except as shapes. I don't know if anybody has reported seeing the face of a shadow person. They're strange things. They just, we say black because that's what our eyes see when there's an, ad. it's like, it's like shape cut out of our reality. A reality, a shape 
what's within does not exist for us. You know, so that's why they look so human shaped, but just colorless and featureless. So there's got to be something, it has to have something to do with them being from another dimension or partly still in that other dimension. Um, as far as what we look like to them, I always had the conception that they see us as we are, but maybe we're kind of spooky to them. You know, uh, we can't answer that. We can only guess. Right. But that's interesting. I never thought of that before. Maybe we look kind of strange to them. Maybe we are the ghost of them. Maybe they see us as shadowy persons because they can't perceive us totally. You know, I mean, we're pretty solid, so they probably see us as such. Yeah, it's it's something that I've always wondered as well. Um, and I, you know, not trying to plug my own book, but I do include a story in my book. <laughs> well, but this is your show. But I, you. yeah, I do have a story in there on a walk in the shadows in which when I walked into, the, it was the kitchen of a restaurant, it was a wisp of a shadow that darted across the room and through the store and just the whole you know, physical interaction because you heard it blow through the door, but the door didn't right. move. You know, this the sound working on a different wavelength. This is what I'm theorizing. The sound working on a different wavelength that there was some sort of crossover between our dimension and their dimension. And with that crossover, is only able to see it as like this faint, wispy shadow. I didn't see the door move on my plane of existence. Perhaps it did on its plane of existence. But that sound being a different wavelength... I was able to hear it clear as a bell. So that caused me to wonder, okay, so if we have this crossover of two different planes of existence and I'm only seeing this thing as this wispy shadow, is it also seeing me in that same way as a wispy shadow or maybe a ghost? I don't know. But but it's caused me to ask that question. Question hmm. not an answer, but it's interesting. Right. If I, had, if I could sit down and interview one type of entity, it would be the shadow person. Mm -hmm. Because they throw everything we think we know about paranormal investigation and research out the window. Okay, are they ghosts? <laughs> what are they? You know, I, mean, right. I don't know if they're ghosts, demonic, or but probably interdimensional, as we've been saying. But uh, yeah, they're they're fascinating. Well, I mean, do, are they aware of us? Do they really are they observing us and have an agenda? It's got to be one or the other. Either they're randomly crossing over, or they mean to. So I just want an answer. Ghosts will sometimes answer you. We don't know if their answers are accurate, but they will communicate through EVP, electronic voice phenomena, through spirit board or whatever, you know, sounds in your ear, AVP, audible voice phenomena. Um, so at least we can talk to a ghost. They're not getting much of the truth, but we can talk to ghosts. And uh, shadow, per shadow persons, I don't know. They, I, they don't talk. Poltergeists will sometimes have a voice. Shadow ghosts, they seem to stay silent. I don't know of any uh, incidents where shadow ghost has actually spoken to people. Maybe Mike does. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, it is a funny uh, story. Yeah, there is a couple years ago at Ocean State Paracon, that was the question you asked me when I was on stage, and you asked about, you know, if they had some sort of audible voice. And I'm like, is, is that Carl? Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Two years ago. That was a very pivotal day for me for another reason, but we'll get into that later. Right. Um, Hopefully but, she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I didn't really have an answer for you then because I really hadn't, 
uh, you know, in all my research and the stories that I'd collected over the years, I didn't really have anybody, uh, you know, tell me that they had heard uh, a shadow person audibly. But since then, I have had a couple of people come forward and tell me it's not an audible voice. It's more of uh, like telepathy, you know, some sort of thought right. transference. I think you do touch on that in your book because I didn't remember anything in your book about them actually speaking to us. So I think Victoria has a story here. Oh, I'd like to hear Victoria's story. I always have a story for everything. Road trips are fun. Uh, okay, first of all, a shadow person walks into this bar. I'm just kidding. No. No, she's. <laughs> okay, um, I've seen shadow people my whole life, and people have always treated me like I was insane. And then one day I met Mike, and I found out I really wasn't totally insane. Not uh, totally. Oh, you had a partner in, in Stanford, maybe. So I, I've encountered two kinds. There are, because um, I live just north of Houston, it's all railroad, cowboys, you know, let me go get my pickup truck and all this kind of stuff out here. Um, there are evil, evil shadow people out here, and they scare the crap out of me, and you can feel when they're around, and you, okay, I'm going to back up. But there was also a shadow person, because I would do ghost tours out here, who I felt was very protective of me and he would walk around and one day I got thumped in the head and I bent over so because it was so hard and then when I stood up I saw this huge spider web right in my face so I would have face planted well, into a black widow probably um, but he's always very protective do you find that there are two different personality types or is it just all hey I'm a shadow person oh uh, the only shadow person with, uh, with whom I have experienced that actually demonstrated any sort of personality in its presence was uh and i mike and i have spoken about this mike visited that site uh, just three weeks ago it was ah. the historic slater mill campus in, in Pawtucket, rhode island which is no longer open to the public but hopefully will be again um i was employed there for 14 years and uh, we had a shadow ghost and i wasn't the first one to see it or report it had a shadow person in the Wilkinson Mill, which was a stone structure, five stories tall, and uh, was built in 1810. And um, yeah, the shadow ghost there had something of a personality. He would start responding more when I paid him. Uh, there's a water wheel pit. This was the heart of the mill, the bowels in the heart of the mill down there with a water wheel pit that generated. This is actually, you know, not just a model or anything. This was actually the mill. Right. The old water wheel is there, you know, 18,000 pounds when it's wet. And that generated the power for the mill and moved the gears through the system of pulleys and gears mm -hmm. and interlocking gears. Um, and that's where the shadow ghost was in the Wilkinson mill. So I don't know if it was, we thought maybe the spirit of a worker who toiled there for years and years, but uh, mm -hmm. we don't know. It was the shadow. He has been detected in photographs. I say he is the only men working in that section of the mill. Detected in photographs, been you know touched people, been seen. And I thought, you know, people are being disrespectful. A lot of researchers that would come in because they, you know people could book a paranormal investigation at Slater Mill, and we had public ghost hunts, which I organized. And uh, sometimes people would try provocation, like I'm a woman. What do you say, say if I work here? What are you going to say about it? Trying to get at some reaction. Right. And, uh, you know, That's kind of just. Hey, you pick on women. Why don't you pick on me? You know, that kind of stuff. I just don't think that ever works. Yeah. No. I would push her in. Popular <laughs> television show. And uh, 
so I thought, let's bring trinkets for this. So like, is it like paying the the ferryman who cavorts souls over the river sticks? Right. You know, let's give him a little token. Let's pay admission. And I would bring black smooth stones. No, the Blackstone River is outside, so you know that was what fed the the water wheel, the water from the river. So bring in smooth black stones or glass pebbles, like you put in a fish tank. And everybody got one, and we tossed them in. I said, I don't think he grants wishes, but just this is a token of respect. Tossed it into the water wheel. And by gum, more started seeing the shadow person after that. And uh, he would touch person more. Oh, he, uh, one colleague of mine, he lifted up her hair. Oh, We could see that go up. And he kept poking at her. She thought it was her husband, Tom. And she was like, Tom, stop it. <laughs> uh, you know, and then her hair went up, and just he was more responsive after we showed him respect. And I would always say, we come here respectfully. This is your place where you're guests. Mm-hmm. I think you can develop a relationship with one because people would go and do exploring, and they'd walk off with a K2 meter, and I'd just be standing there going, well, hey, how you doing? You know, and we would talk, and I said, you kind of remind me of my grandpa. I felt oh, very protective, yeah. you know, like, Let's look out for Blondie over here, you know? And so he made sure I stayed out of danger, you know, in trouble. Well, and... I think it's a good idea to try to establish some simpatico with the ghost, you know, how aware they are. But, you know, what we would call simpatico, we right. actually forge a kind of connection to the spirit, assuming yeah. it's aware. Yeah, I was and, uh, in West Texas this weekend, and there was a, a young lady walking around screaming, I'm not afraid of you, I'm not afraid of you. And I'm like, well, okay. She probably, probably won't have reason. She probably yeah. won't have reason to be afraid because nothing is going to happen. No, we we got amazing right. EVPs after she left. So. Oh, I, oh, yeah. that would make the difference. That would, yeah. even with dowsing rods, divining rods, they, sometimes when the aggravating person would leave, mm-hmm. uh, things would change. And uh, yeah, the the only provocation I did with the resident shadow ghost at Slater Mill Campus was uh, we were in the machine shop. This happened twice, and. I said, well, we have brought women and younger folk into your mill. I realize that is a violation of mill protocol, so if you want us to clear out, just give us a sign and we'll leave. We'll leave anyway. We'll just leave a little earlier if you give us some kind of sign. Twice when I said that, and it was about a year apart that these things happened, a heavy spike flew off of the bench, went across the room. And we had people coming back year after year that remembered that. First time happened about 10 years ago. Boom, just fly across the room. Eyewitnesses, unfortunately I was one of them, but I said that was mild provocation. Wasn't anything insulting, you know, but that worked. It didn't work every time, but it did a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But I think that was our shadow person because the lights were kind of on. Uh, At that point we had some subdued lighting that you you see him. But it was when the lights were off that you could see him. And he would usually be blocking out the background. Mm-hmm. We knew him. I think he was utterly invisible in a full spectrum of light, but at night you could see him not just because it's spookier at night, but because there wasn't anything occluding him. Right. You know, we saw him up there. I saw him in the form of a man, and he was blocking out light down in the water wheel pit, which is kind of the basement. And that was two years ago. Uh, it was the Friday before Halloween, so it was just a couple of days before Halloween. Oh. And we saw him come by. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, my friend took a wonderful picture of a shadow man, but we didn't see him. But when she's looking at the picture, we saw him. But it was. Oh, I've had that. That was in Wilkinson Mill too. Yeah. He was showing photographs more than he would with your, you know, your eyes. 
but it started getting darker than dark in the room. I'm like, well, this is kind of creepy. But oh my, I'm so glad you said that. I <laughs> didn't even think about it getting close to, you know, the um, equinox. Yeah, the equinox, the vernal, or rather, uh, in that case, autumnal equinox. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they do tend to draw away the light in the room. Yeah. Now, Mr. Mike had an experience like that uh, when I was with him. I don't know if I want to give that away and start a whole other story. Maybe we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, but um, jump into right. so much ground to cover before. Yeah. I'm just saying so, he saw us on a room dark and light. It was, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Um, but well, I wanted to go real quick because you were basically talking about uh, building a relationship and having a rapport with a shadow entity uh, there in Wilkinson Mill. And, you know, in, in my experience, I think it's kind of a, a, a misnomer. You have a lot of people out there these days that are trying to say that, you know, all shadow entities are evil. And I understand, you know, that there are you know, plenty of people that have had, you know, bad experiences uh, with shadows. But, you know, at least in my opinion, not all these things are evil, nasty, and nefarious. You know, I, I think it's kind of, at least in my opinion, that, um, you know, some shadow entities are giving others a bad name, but you know what, what's your what's your experience? Because you know, some... <laughs> they like drive the lowrider cars and do. Never mind. Yeah, you're giving these shadow people a bad name if you're right. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, it, it sounds like a Bon Jovi song. You give shadow people a bad name. <laughs> That's your version of it. Yeah, I like can it. You, can you make a T-shirt? Oh. Like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd be great. <laughs> let me say, if sometime during the next 10 or 15 years, I back into a fire hydrant or I trip, I, I miss that last step and twist my ankle, then I'll know it was that shadow ghost. Or if, you know, my hair turns totally gray or, you know, then I'll know it was, I shouldn't have ever tried to speak to that shadow person. You know? But I, I just never had any problem with it. Uh, I think I sense that this shadow person, the singular shadow person, had a begrudging respect for me that developed as the years went on in my years of employment at Slater Mill. I think it, I don't think it really warmed to me, but uh, it would respond. You know, if I asked it to come out, sometimes you'd see something, but you usually had to catch it. Like when it was blocking out light, like there was a, a fissure in the door, the old oaken door. And it was, or actually the stonework next to the door and there was a fissure in the stonework and something was blocking that out at intervals, it kept, but not regular intervals, so it kept going by. I said, I wonder if there's some foliage blowing in the breeze outside. I went back there the next morning to Slater Mill. Nope, nothing could have done that. It was just going on and off and the street lights were not, and park lights were not flickering. So I think it kind of didn't mind me hanging around. I would talk to it sometimes. I would always thank it and I'd say, hey, you know me. You know, I know we have a lot of silly people and rubes coming in, you know, but <laughs> we're doing the best we can. I said, this is what I've got to work with. You're going to get all different kinds of people, but I respect you, and this is your place. You know, so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, so, and, and that's his origin, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think as long as you treat them, you know, with respect, because, you know, I, th I think a lot of these things that we perceive as shells, like I said, I, I believe a quote unquote true shadow person is an interdimensional being but I've also uh, witnessed uh, shadow entities actually just being a human spirit that can't fully manifest so you know I, I think we are in a lot of these cases also interacting with a human spirit and you know treat it with respect 
-hmm. And you know what we would get in that water wheel pit? Something I dubbed, and I'm sure you've heard of this, black orbs. Ooh. Not white mm -hmm. orbs floating around, but black orbs come right at you. See them, you know, coming toward your face. And uh, maybe that's a component of it. Maybe they, if they coalesce, they become what we'd recognize as a shadow person. Also in that water wheel pit, hovering a few feet over the water wheel, and I wasn't the only eyewitness to this, it was a white cylindrical form. So you got a white shadow person, maybe. And then it just vanished. But I wasn't the only one who saw it. All kinds of strange activity in that mill. We don't, we don't know if it's related. Or as we say in Rhode Island, interrelated. You know, but uh, yeah. I, the shadow person in that mill, uh, I had only been working there a couple of months. And... Uh, persons were nervous outside and they said we see a man in there there's somebody it looks like a man it's, it's, and they were nervous because they, they knew it was some, wasn't something normal they said well, so what does he look like so, he, he really doesn't look like anything except somebody walking around but it's all black so I being an employee I said well I got to check this out let me go in and see if I thought it was somebody might have made their way into the mill without paying admission messing with the old machinery no nobody was in there uh, a couple of us, the educational director, went in there with me. Didn't see anybody in there. And I heard about him again. So people were seeing something, and that fascinated me. And I was finally able to witness the shadow person in that mill, in Wilkinson Mill, in January of 2013. Looked like a person, but moving very rapidly, very erratically, yeah. fast. Yeah, and you've shown me... Mentioned. Yeah. yeah, and you've shown me some interesting photography from there. Mm, I wish you had more. I wish I hadn't laminated them. It's hard to copy them because I used to show them at Slater Mill. Yeah. Yeah, that this uh, they seem to block well, out. Let's see. Okay. I think it? I have I think I have the one photo in my book because you had sent me You did publish one, yeah. Uh, yeah. So let me see if I could find that here real quick. I don't know quick. if you have the one where Betty's face is blocked out, like a Let me see what we have fail. here. So Yeah, I don't know how and of course, those oh, watching yeah. the podcast yeah. later, uh, you know, yeah, to show. I mean, like you can see. It. Yeah, those listening to the podcast later won't be able to see that, but okay, uh, it's not going to help for me to point at it. But well, there's a little, there's a little arrow there. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah, I can see it at a glance. Uh, for a while, of course, I thought that was a lady's. Well, you know, it was a lady standing there, and then I analyzed it, looked at it with a fine glass. That woman. She, her shadows off to her left side, you know, our right side by the perspective of the person photo. Then there's this thing, this tall, man-like form, and it looks like it's got a hat. It's, you know, classic shadow person in that respect. And it seems to have an outreached arm. It, it's oh. our shadow ghost. I think he got caught by accident. I think he liked the crowd or maybe was hanging in the back so he wouldn't be revealed. <laughs> We didn't see him, but he came out in a photograph. And of course, I went, uh -huh. you know, to check that out, see if there's any stain on the the wall that would do that. No, nothing I could see. It's funny it, you said that because we were all gathered in this one room and we were trying to do EVPs and had the portal and everything. But in the photograph, the shadow person is leaning in the doorway with his arms crossed, like, hey, "What you doing?" You know, <laughs> like you're yeah. checking us out. So, how do you know they're not normal? You said you were, you went into the mill to check out something because it wasn't normal. Maybe they are normal. Maybe that's their normal. Maybe they're the new normal themselves. You know, maybe we're the little buggers, you know, <laughs> around the mill. And I, I wonder if they are related to humans, because how can something that's interdimensional be anthropomorphic? You know, mm -hmm. 
with, with the the bifid structure of two arms and probably two legs and you know appendages and sometimes clothing mm -hmm. so they got to be related to us somehow but uh, maybe when they cross over from their dimensional reality maybe they have to take on a substrate form they have to be kind of like us you know maybe they draw on what's around them and they adapt it's like you know fish in a fish tank if you have a big fish tank you know yes. some species <laughs> of fish will keep growing mm -hmm. and yeah. uh become obnoxious like carp yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the colostomists do that yeah, carp and, car and yeah you know, we'll do that and carp will and uh Maybe they have to adapt to our form somewhat mm. to manifest in this. Maybe it's the I evolution. I think that's true with demonic entities. Yes. Because normally they'd be invisible. You know? Right. You know, we haven't so, answered a darn question about shadow people, except that, you know, <laughs> I think they can have a, at least a begrudging respect for human observers, such as myself. But we don't, I don't know where they come from. Yeah, that, and that was one of the questions. We have a bunch of questions here from the chat we're going to get well, to in, in a moment. Yeah, so that and that was one of the questions from, oh, I want to say who it was. Um, yeah, from Tracy Christian, where do shadow people come from? We don't know. Connecticut. They, yeah, from Connecticut. They come from Connecticut. Uh, got a concentration of shadow persons there. Mm -hmm. Some other world, some other world that has similarities to ours. Mm -hmm and they make their way through here for a time. I say another dimension, as Mike feels they are, yeah. because they move, but they move differently from us. They move rapidly. That's what I've seen. They flit around. Uh, they may even look like they're taking steps, but they, they move quickly and erratically by our perception, but they're moving. You know, so uh, do you want to talk a little bit? Do you want to talk a little bit about that room darkening? Because that's a bit different than flitting around or standing in the corner or what have you. Mm, that is different. Uh, uh oh. <laughs> but that is a shadow entity that doesn't look like a person. That's right. in its more pure form. Oh. Maybe it doesn't need to change into something that looks like us. Uh, that's another way. And I think it's the same phenomenon as a shadow person, mm -hmm. but it just doesn't look like, it doesn't take on the mantle of a human being. It's not yeah. anthropomorphic. A room that darkens, and yes. first you think, oh, well, sunlight's outside or whatever factors. Well, are. but we didn't have a, a window in this room. No, the, no, the, one, the one window was, was I don't want to say boarded up, but there was some sort of covering over it. Right. And then. Oh, no, we weren't affected by it. I took everything into consideration yeah. that it could be. I mean, our eyes adjusting to the ambient lighting. Right. Uh, sunlight coming in. And it was, none of those factors fit. It just suddenly. And we were saying some things that might have coached it to, mm -hmm. right. to come in, you know. I mean, dare I say where we were when this transpired? You may say where we were, but let's not give away too many details because this will be coming up in a, uh, in a docuseries soon. But go ahead. You can say where we were. Okay, we were in a house, a farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island, on Round Top Road, and that is known better as the Conjuring House. Right. How we came to be there and how we made our way in, maybe <laughs> I won't say, but we infiltrated. We got in. We got in. I did. And my brother Keith. So you know people, that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, we had yeah, to spread our love around a little bit, you know. Yeah. You know. Here's 500, let us, uh, no, we, uh, yeah. no, but, uh, oh, no, we did infiltrate, we, we got in, 
Yeah. Were you and, up, uh, upstairs anywhere, like by a wardrobe or anything? No. <laughs> well, we were upstairs. We were upstairs, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. As far as clothes, they tend to be strewn around there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, boy, we I did I wasn't anticipating anything. So we're having a good experience being in this creepy house that has a lot of lore to it. And I've seen things there. I've seen very strange things. And the room started to darken. And it was just like you had a rheostat, like a dimmer, and you turned mm -hmm. it down. It was that palpable. And it was like, I said, we can't, I said, I'm not the only one. Mine, Keith and Mike saw it too. And uh, it started to get darker. Mike had some very interesting experiences up yep. there. And, but just talking about this absence of light, the darkening. That was strange. Now you would think if we were like, if there was a window that had clouded up, it was that definite, but no, nothing like that. It just started to get eerily dark, you know, like something's happening in here. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, it's not clear in here. Right. It's like night has fallen. And the uh, whole room feels different than it's yeah, a and different just to say, Though it was somewhat nearing sunset, um, the room it's passed and then the room lightened again. Yeah, it was just boom, right like that, and yeah. it lit up again. It was really it interesting. Gradual, it just like being, you know, yeah, it's just changed. boom. And since that has been reported there, I, I believe we did encounter some phenomenon mm -hmm. there. The other people, I believe so. That? Yeah, going the first time I saw it, I don't know. You stop me if I'm saying too much. Um, yeah, we can stop there. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay. you guys can catch the rest. You guys can talk about the bleeding from the walls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that. No, All we'll the save flies that. In the window? No. Yeah, you guys can catch the rest in the upcoming uh, Shadow Dimension uh, docuseries. So, um, mm. that'll be coming out on Amazon here in the next few months. So, well, let's get it to, because uh, we are getting down toward the end of the show. Let's get to some of these questions. Questions here, I know. Yeah. You get about a half an hour now. <laughs> Seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so this is from Alina the fam. Uh, if someone tends to see shadow people as a child, do you think they're likely to continue for the rest of their life? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have a sense. They have a sensitivity to it, like some people perceive color differently, or you know. I used to be able to read so clearly what's in the background, you know, you know your screen, but, uh, you know, my eye changed, my eyesight has changed. And, but some people do have a different perception of colors, like somebody may see chartreuse or green, you know, a different way. And we can't know because it's tough to describe except by relation. I think some people have an, like an inner eye, they have an ability. If they have it early on, it is easier for them to see a shadow person when they mature. You know, I think for all their life they can. Well, the late Ed Warren one time said, once you have an encounter with the de demonic realm, you are marked by them. They'll always recognize you. Uh, I'm just very vaguely equating demons to shadow persons. Uh, I think you just have, you, your, your retina or whatever, it becomes branded and you're able to see them better than the normal person or the average person would. I wish I had that. I mean, maybe I do, because I've seen them a few times. Do you think well, maybe uh, since you've seen one, you're more accepting and then you can just see them easier? I think when you believe that they exist, that helps. And yeah. uh, when you've experienced them, that helps. Yeah. I think something in your eye immediately acclimates to that and something expands or whatever, and you're able to perceive them better than somebody who has not had such an encounter, which would explain why a lot of people have never seen them. True. Very true. But you can learn to see them then. 
if you I think so I yeah. think you can develop that because mm -hmm. they're around us oh yeah <laughs> how often we don't know but they're around us oh they're around yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we were doing a show a few weeks ago and um maybe a month or so ago and I was went back to watch it again and in chat somebody goes is that a shadow person walking back behind Victoria but, you know, <laughs> they just you know <laughs> I yeah. think it was and there's so much to take into consideration the lighting in the in the room shadows can you know like, can make tricks can make you think they're in motion when they're not um you know your eyes adjusting to the light in the room uh, floaters in in the eye mm -hmm. but sometimes you know you got the shadow person you know you got something strange there because yeah. it moves and you <laughs> see it moving yeah you, you yeah you can tell you can tell yes you can uh from sarah youssef what is it about fear or strong emotional states that seems to encourage paranormal activity? There is something that does that because emotion is energy. It generates catepsy static, as one researcher called it that, or PK, you know, psychokinesis, psychokinetic energies. And your emotions do, if you feel like a victim, you could be one. It draws it out. Something about that, the spirit can sense your vulnerability, whether they do it consciously or not, I don't know, but... It can sense your fragility or your, you know, apprehension. And uh, people who don't believe or don't take, you know, paranormal research serious at all are likely not to be disappointed because they won't ever see the ghost. But if you're apprehensive and a little nervous, for one thing, you're hyper alert. You're paying more attention. And something about that apprehension generates an energy field and brings it in. So if you don't want to see one or you're scared of one, and you know, better chance of seeing one. But really, that's what makes hunting and paranormal research fun. You know, it's a little spooky. It's a little scary. <laughs> that's that's a better feeling than disappointment. That's better than boredom and disappointment. True. It's exciting, yeah. for sure. It is exciting. You know, it, it does give that element of the unexpected. Yeah. It makes it exciting. Yeah, so I think you draw it in more. I do. Okay. From Murtaza Arif, what's the difference between a djinn and a poltergeist? Which one of these can follow us when we move homes? I ask because I've had activities in most homes I have moved into. It's interpretation. You could interpret uh, a poltergeist as a djinn, especially if there have been occult practices, you know, rituals, summonings in that environment, in that abode. Yeah, it's, it's really what you interpret, what your mind tells you it is. Um, you may not know its origins, but if you can find out how it started, that's a clue. But yeah, jinns have personalities. They're uh, they're almost similar to a dibbuk, which is an entrapped spirit. You know, you think of a genie being entrapped in a bottle or a case, and um, so they they could be related to that. Uh, you know, a shadow person. Well, how would a genie or a jinn manifest itself? You may not see this. You know this figure with, you know, a sash and a scimitar and a shaved head, you're likely going to see a shadowy form because that's as much as our eyes can perceive, that's as much as it's going to manifest. And as far as following, yeah, they do. The shadow ghost can follow, the The jinn traditionally will follow, attach to somebody and follow. I don't think they'll necessarily grant your wish, but they attach. <laughs> you know why? Because this gives them an anchor in our world. If they can attach onto somebody interact with them to some degree and travel with that person that gives them a foothold in this world they don't necessarily last for a long time the attachments but they can be pretty unnerving while they're around while they are attached to one yeah 
And a djinn, uh, basically another interdimensional being. So to me, it seems like a lot of these are, are very related or maybe even the same thing, just a different name from culture to culture to culture. Yes. Yeah, interpretive. And Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the late Rosemary Ellen yeah. Guiley, made a lot of progress with that. She, she categorized did. them and, you know, like brought all this lore together and, you know, helped to define what is thought of as a djinn, which is not common in our culture. People hear of the genie, you know, the spirit that grants wishes until it turns on you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Um, but yeah, the djinn is, uh, or, you know, it could be just djinn if you keep the D silent. Uh, there's something else that's real. These are, these are all things that are improbable to impossible, yet evidence supports that they do have an existence. You know, and the djinn does exist. Uh, don't ever try to command it. It doesn't work. Right. It's like trying to, trying to direct a demon. I conjure and constrain. <laughs> that's very medieval. Um, yeah, they're around and they follow. The shadow person might latch onto somebody, the typical the djinn, will uh has a preponderance for latching mm -hmm. on to people and following them out of wherever they were picked up you know again spooky things spooky things um, from tammy heitzman do you believe then that there are fallen angel type of demons yes i do i don't think that defines every demon i think there are different types and different origins i think there are things that have been around presences that have been around since the beginning of humankind and they've stuck around whether they pre-exist us as you know a race i don't think they do i don't know uh but they've been around they have the wisdom of the ages and they are uh essentially fallen angels but that indicates that they were once glorious angels god-serving angels you know perhaps they do come from some they were they were uh celestial beings at one time and have been cast down and lost their wings so to speak you know but uh, yeah it's a, it's a very interesting that they could have once been angels of light and cast down don't know but it makes sense that if angels exist that some of them they're not perfect being they they should be perfect but some of them aren't and maybe that's why we've got something that's resentful Mm -hmm. The very pure interpretation, and it's one my brother could expound upon more. Oh, is sure. That, uh, yeah, an angel, celestial being, a benevolent entity that was created by God, as was everything and is everybody. And uh, they uh, sometimes have gone wrong. The errant angels, the heavenly hosts, the one third of the heavenly hosts, were cast out of heaven in a great rebellion. It's mythology, it's Judaic mythology and, and uh, Christian mythology. But it sure is interesting. Yeah. Do you think they can re be redeemed? Like a fallen angel, can it redeem itself somehow? Traditionally, no. No, it can't. They don't have the same volition because they had seen God or close to God. You know, humans cannot see God. They're forbidden to see God. But the angels did. So they entered into their rebellion with full knowledge of what they were doing. Okay. So maybe not a full knowledge of the eternal consequences but they knew what they were doing so there's no redemption for them you cannot you know redeem a fallen angel you can't reason with them and say you know change your ways it's too late for them yeah human beings have the choice human being human souls supposedly can be sprung from purgatory can expiate their purgatory but uh, 
demons, yeah, they are entirely separated from God eternally. So they can't be redeemed. Oh, now I'm okay. speaking, I'm taking that stance, of course. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the purest interpretation of what is a demon as a fallen angel. No, they can't come back. So you can try, but it probably will do you no good to pray for the salvation of a fallen angel. Good to know. Sounds Thank not, you. <laughs> and on that note, I'm sorry we weren't able to get to all the questions, everybody, but with with that note of no redemption, we're ending the show. Wow. Yeah. So um, so well, everybody, please go ahead and check out Carl's book, Shadow Realms Demonology Handbook. Uh, like I said, for those watching the live stream here on YouTube, you can get that link down in the description below, and I'm sure Quarantine Ghost will go ahead and put that uh, link in the chat for you. And for those listening to the podcast later, of course, you can uh, you can grab that out on. On Amazon, we also have the link on our Amazon shop, the Hunter Road Media Amazon shop, which is what is it? Amazon.com slash shop slash Hunter Road Media. So it links there as well. So, uh, Carl, uh, we are having you back here in a couple weeks with James Needle, do demonology. I think that's November 10th. So you're going to be turning around here real quick and be right back with us. Thank you. Okay. I'll. Trying to keep that on my calendar, because it's coming up soon. And then I'll get to quote to you from the tragic history of Dr. Faustus, which we don't have time to tonight. It's actually a soliloquy by the demon Mephistopheles, and he talks about his eternal damnation. So I'll, I'll save that for that show. All right. Okay. Sounds fantastic. I will be your guest. Okay. All right. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful coming back, and uh, Victoria and all that. So. So nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starstruck. I've been telling Mike that for like a week. Yeah. She has. She has. <laughs> I'll always be back. Can yeah. I draw we'll a graph? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike, why don't you have me back before I'm on with James Anito and Duo Demonology? It's just, you know, segue me. <laughs> we'll just kick off all the other guests that we have in the meantime. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Then I really will have a reputation. Ooh, right. Like a pirate, pirate podcast, like at midnight <laughs> one night. You know? There you go. There you go. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm probably interesting, but not that interesting to take away other guests. You know? <laughs> oh, we always have a great time with you, and uh, I do too. And the Mad Hatters down in the chat really have enjoyed you as well. So, I'm um, to save their questions to when I come out with James Anito for Duo Demonology. All right, but fantastic. I never got to ask my question about Nick. No, <laughs> my friend needs your help. <laughs> you Message me on Facebook or something. Oh, that's right. You yeah. could do that. Well, you could do that. We'll talk, talk on the phone the old-fashioned okay. way. I'll, I'll, yeah, please remember <laughs> these little phones. <laughs> wherever I put my – yeah. You know, okay. just get in touch with me. I'll, I'll chat with you. I'll, I'll call okay. you, you know, whatever. All right. That will be great. Message okay. me, and then I will set that up. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, call my friend. You have a great evening, and we will see you again soon. You will. Thank you. All right. Thanks All right. again, Carl. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you.